Warning, this episode contains spoilers. Hey, it's your girl Venus and welcome to my podcast. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Foolishness for the 2023 year of the Venus Tegan podcast. This is your host, Venus Tegan. Let's get into this shit. It's time for What's Been Up, where I introduce you to the feature author of the month. I recap something I read and I give y'all some updates about what I've been doing. So what's been up is I jumped into this catalog of Deshaun Dream and I'll tell you what, this shit good. So I started with the Relationship Status series and it's only three books and it's labeled as urban fiction. And I see it. I wouldn't really consider it urban fiction. It's more like hood adjacent shit. But, you know, they don't have that category on Amazon. So the relationship status series consists of three books, all with the same title of relationship status. But they have different subtitles. Uh, Book one is called We Tied Forever. Book two is Still Tied. And book three is Till Death Do Us Part. And each one of these titles is very fitting for the amount of foolishness that went into what Mitch Deshaun Dreams wrote about. So just a little backstory so y'all know what the hell I'm talking about. There are three couples. You have Keaton and Tori. You have Lamonte and Tania. And you have DeMarco and Winter. Now from the descriptions that my girl gave in these books, all these niggas fine and all these th- all these chicks is thick. Just how we like them. So Keaton and Tori are the married couple and they are high school sweethearts. And they were both entirely too shy to talk to each other in the beginning. And then they realized that they was just meant to be together. With Lamonte and Tania, Mon was always pining behind Tania, but Nia wasn't trying to get him the time of day. He she was she was paying this man dust. You hear me? And situations happened in the curb where he was like, basically, he told her he was like, "You mind, and I ain't letting you go, so you might as well deal with him." I can respect the man that knows what he wants. And with Demarco and Winter. He was the employer. She was the employee, and she still said, "Boy, fuck you." But Marco's the type of man that gets what he wants, and that he did because he got winter, and the rest was history. So jumping out the gate in book one, um, Deshaun started with the shit. Ain't no other way to put it. She started with the shit from page one with Tori getting jumped over some shit that ain't had shit to do with her, and it just went from there. Like I was when I say I was invested, baby, I was invested. You hear me? So I felt like this was my piece. Like they was my friends. Like I wanted to, I can't tell you how many times I wanted to get into the book and just fight because you tried my cousin. And I don't like that because we write for each other. So yeah, <clears throat> these my cousins, my homegirls, my homeboys, my partner them, whatever you want to call them. So Tori and Keita are going through what they're going through. She was pregnant. She lost the baby. And she, it didn't say she resented him, but you could tell she resented him because it would have never happened if he 
wasn't living the life he was living. And that was just, it was a year before the entire story started. And Tori was doing, she was trying to live her best life. My girl was a college student. She was a wife and she was ready to be a mother. And some hating ass bitches, basically that's what it was, some hating ass bitches, jumped my girl. Granted, they didn't call for them to jump her, but the person that did got what they deserved, point blank period. So Tori and Keaton, they're dealing with the marital issues of losing a child. They're dealing with Keaton trying to get out of the street life, but he has some infidelity issues that keep coming up in Tori's face. And he's like, he ain't do it, he ain't do it, but why these bitches in my phone? Why these people calling me? Why they in my inbox? So with Tania and Lamonte, Tania, she's very, she's the reserved one. She just like, she don't want no nigga. She like, she just did, she wasn't feeling it. She felt like everyone she loved left her. And I understood, I did, but the way she went about it, it was just, it was bad. And her dad passing was a trigger for her. And Lamonte being the observant and being madly in love with her the way that he was, was he saw things that Tori didn't see being her best friend and then even when it came to the things that he saw that Tori didn't or Tori did see but she didn't address it and mom was like nah I'm gonna address this shit because it's becoming a problem had some issues for them but you know hey it, it is what it is um and then the introduction of Winter and DeMarco <laughs> just what I said before Winter was a, she was a stripper at the club Marco came in saw he wanted her he thought he was slick because when he spoke to her, she said, boy, fuck you. And so he called her. He had Keyshawn call her into the office. And while Marco's trying to talk to Winter, Keyshawn just sitting over there kikiing and laughing at the, the entire exchange between the two. And it was just, you know, it was it was hilarious to read. I think I laughed at that part because Marco was used to getting what he wanted and used to getting who he wanted. And Winter wasn't going for that shit. Winter was like, bro, I'm here for one reason and one reason only and it's not for you like bye so yes that was how these couples were introduced and throughout the course of this series they had their ups and downs which I'll get into um they laughed they cried they shot shit up it you know it was it was a good mix of foolishness and hood shit and ratchetness that we all love in a book and I'm here for it so I was going to separate these but they just everything runs in with each other so we just gonna I'm just gonna get into it and y'all keep up okay so here are just my thoughts on what I was thinking while I was reading these here books because you know real readers <laughs> we ask questions so from the first book from uh from relationship status one we tied forever um I didn't think he time was a bad dude I could be biased but whatever I just feel like he sucks at communicating like his communication skills were piss poor now don't get me wrong Tori her communication skills were piss poor as well however comma the only thing I fought Tori about is the fact that she didn't voice how losing that baby made her feel and I understand sometimes you can't put it into words sometimes it's difficult to express I've been there but the fact that she was dealing with unhealed trauma and she expected her husband of 
all people to understand that and to be able to feel that with her it took a toll on their marriage because it was like key time like they never discussed it they never talked about it they never talked about how it made her feel never talked about the emotions that came up behind it none of that stuff was discussed and it caused a very big problem for them to the point to where Tori was like bro I'm out like I'm leaving you and he was like hell no you ain't leaving basically what a nigga said he was like you ain't going nowhere and ultimately she did end up leaving she was like i'm not staying here with you and she went back to her parents house and it was really it i i love that tori had her parents too far back on i love the relationship that her parents have between her and the relationship they have with Keaton. and i also love the fact that they even though they were in it they weren't in their relationship they weren't in their marriage if anything they were encouraging Keaton, bro come get your wife that's what her parents did they gave her her time to process and deal with what she needed to but after a certain time it was like you need to go home to your husband like go 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 talk to your husband go figure it out so that's one thing that I loved about their marriage like ultimately eventually like at the end of it all they <laughs> they ended up being my favorite couple because they learned from their mistake and all of them learned but I think I don't think it took them that long to learn I I think like once you get past book one Tori and Keaton don't really have no issues no more outside of people trying to kill him but you know that's 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 minor like we're not fighting each other like it's really one of those things where it's like as long as we're not fighting against each other we good like we could we could as long as we're fighting together everything else is irrelevant so yeah that's Tori and Key and so with Mona Tania she was I was glad that she gave him a chance I was glad that she gave him the opportunity to love her the way that she needed and deserved to be loved because Tania was one of those people where she had insecurities because of her body shape and her size now again I say these are all thick girls and you know society loves to portray this idea of everybody want a thick girl you know everybody want thick thighs everybody's getting bbls and all this other bullshit like to me had that naturally and she felt like she wasn't enough she felt like she wasn't pretty enough she felt like she wasn't good enough and everyone around her was telling her you're fine like there's nothing wrong with you and so she had to deal with that because she lost the only man that really truly loved her being the true daddy's girl that she was she she took that hard and in taking that hard with with losing that that piece of security because from what the story says her dad gave her words of affirmation on the regular like he told her daily that she was beautiful and so to go from having that every day to not having that at all it does something to you I'm not even gonna sit here and lie it, it takes a toll on you personally and on your mental because it's like you because you long for that you long like you crave that and so she used her mother as a crutch she used the fact that she needed to she dropped everything she was doing wherever she was and she moved back home once her dad passed to basically look after her mama and her mama told her girl go live your life like go do something stay out my face I don't need you in the house with me go 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 be a young adult like go do great things she was like all you do is work and go to school and then you come home and she was like and then you don't even have to work for real she was like stop working her mama literally told her to quit her job a few times because she didn't need to work she was working to numb herself and to give herself 
yourself something to do. And while, yes, you want to keep going, but you don't want to work yourself until you're, you don't want to kill yourself working. Like, that's just, that's not why we're put on earth. So, Lamonte comes in the picture again because they all, um, Tori, Key, Mon, and Tania all went to high school together. And Mon basically told Tania, he called her up. He was like, we finna go out. And she was like, I got class. And he was like, okay, I'll drop you off. We finna go out, get dressed. And yeah, that was, that was all she wrote because even though Tania was trying to play it off like she didn't want mine she wanted a man and she wanted a man bad and when she finally got a say stone she got hooked and she didn't want to let that man go but I will say that she did what she was supposed to do when she told him from the beginning she was like hey I don't do drama hey I don't do bullshit she she told him from she told him fresh out the gate she was like I don't do bullshit she was like first time of bullshit I'm leaving I'm done like finito and of course there was bullshit the bullshit comes in the form of this bitch named Delia and she applied to be a waitress at the restaurant that the Rue owned. Mon wasn't in on the hiring process however when he got there and he called her into the office he said he knew she was gonna be a problem. When she first got introduced I my heart dropped because I was like Mon is gonna do something stupid and he's gonna cheat on Tania and Tania's gonna kill him. I was thoroughly pleased when the chapter ended with him not doing anything stupid. I'm gonna just leave that there. So then the third couple, DeMarco and Winter Storm, aka my stripper girl. So Marco, he was he was pretty chill for the most part in the book outside of his mouth was reckless, but you know, that's what you expect from a hood nigga. So Marco actually was in the military and he got out of the military and he worked for the cartel. He was a hitman for the cartel. And uh, on a particular hit, which is where he met Key and Mon. They was like, "Hey, we ain't had nothing to do with what this what this nigga was doing." And I'm trying to put my case for my life because I got life to live. I, I still got goals, dreams, and aspirations that I want to achieve. So that situation where Marco was sent to kill Key and Mon that actually birthed their brotherhood. So with Marco and Winter, the only thing I didn't like was the fact that Marco was emotionally unavailable for my girl. Like. Like, he, oh, he was, he was a lot. He was a lot. And I love the fact that Winter was so in tune with him that she knew how he felt even without him saying anything about it. The only thing is that once you get to the scene at the end of the book where it's the opening for the hotel and he comes out his mouth and says what the hell he says to her. That's when I, I was like, really, Marco? I wanted to punch Marco in the throat. I wanted to crush his trachea because why the fuck would you go and say some shit like that to my girl? So at the part in question, because this honestly, the climax of the story did not come until the end of the book, which is why I understood why this was three, why it was three books long. So the first incident, because we were at the opening for it, we were at the grand opening for the hotel that the guys had started. And so they were in the lobby they were enjoying the uh the festivities of the night and mine starts to feel a little woozy and mine is a drinker so for him to feel woozy and he hasn't only he only had what two two drinks maybe he was like I know I'm not drunk because I drank my liquor and so that is from Key's point of view and he was like with mine to basically make sure that he was okay but mine was like I'm good I'm good I'll be right back or whatever and so um 
um they leave them to himself they leave him to himself and he goes to the bathroom try and wash some throw some water on his face or any uh or whatever and he in his head he was just like he wanted to go be with his girl he wanted to go be with Sania because that was the love of his life or whatever and so he goes into the to the restroom because he just went to the first one he got to and um he spoke to the attendant who asked for some aspirin or whatever and the attendant was about to give him the aspirin or whatever and then so someone it wasn't someone that be Delia she came in she followed behind him and she was basically like you got a headache ball so he's completely out of it he don't know what the hell is going on he like he he's coherent but he can't piece put the pieces of the puzzle together so she basically told the attendant she was like sitting at the door and make sure nobody answered we knew then it was gonna be some shit so she gave the man some money and he smiled and walked out the door his ass would have been fired right then and there so she um she she was like i'm gonna take care of these and so he's already has blurred vision and so ma says delia fuck is you doing in the man's bathroom and he was laughing but he didn't know why he was laughing like it wasn't funny to him but it was funny to him and so in her delusional last bird brain she says you asked me to come remember you said you wanted me to fuck you said you wanted to fuck me in the bathroom of your new hotel he was like when the fuck i said it and she was like you just did so she starts doing her thing and she's seducing this man and uh boy i tell you she she just she she just did what the fuck she did mine thought he was drunk and she was like, no, Lamonte, you're drugged as fuck. And now you will fuck me. These are the actual words that Deshaun wrote in this book. Because I feel like her characters told her to say that. And so, Mon, halfway in his right state of mind, because, again, she just told this man he was drugged. Mon was like, what the fuck you do? And so, Delia, being the delusional bird brain bitch that she is, she says, your dick is bigger than I dreamt it would be. But I can handle him. Oh, and what I did, Rofinol, the date rate drug, a small amount of ecstasy, so I can make sure you stay up. I don't work well with a limp dick. By, the, by that time, my team will be in place. Then she pulls the magnum out, and mine, halfway in his right state of mind, as she slides her body on top of him, says, we gonna fucking die. And so, Delia, crazy ass, is like, tell me you love me. Smack my ass and tell me. So, mine is just like, wait, no. He was, he's calling for Tania, and Delia dumbass talking about, yes, daddy, call me Tania. Tell me you love me. And so, she asked, this girl gotta be on something. She had, there had has to be some screws loose because she's like does her pussy get wet like this do you know and then she say do you know how many times i wanted to come into that office and fuck you but i had a job to do i had to learn everything i could about your operation i had to get in good with you so we could take y'all down but i wasn't supposed to fuck you he is probably going to kill me but i don't give a fuck we'll die together <sighs> Do you know what type of delusional you gotta be? What type of crazy you gotta be? That's that's a different type of level of crazy. Tania, my good girl, my girl, my good sis, she's looking for her man because where the fuck you went? So some women came out of the bathroom and they were chattering, you know, how women do. And they were talking about how they was fucking 
and how people was fucking in the bathroom. And one of the girls said, whoever the hell he is, I call Ned. Tania, she was nosy. She went to the bathroom or whatever, and she heard somebody scream Ma's name. My girl said, what the fuck? Like, she's in disbelief as she walks into this bathroom. This bitch, Delia, comes out her mouth and says, he kind of busy with a real woman right now. Tania said, bitch? And, and she said it just like that. And smashed her fist into her face. Like, after she put, she yanked her ass. She, Tania dank Delia off my and started punching her in her face, which she should have did. I'm completely satisfied with this turn of events. So Tania, so the people came in trying to get Tania off Delia, which she was about unconscious when this all happened. They was, they was trying to get her to calm down and... Mon still completely out of it, but Tania don't know this. So Tania, the Mon said, "I was waiting for you, baby." Nia, Tania was like, "Get your bitch off the floor." Mon say, "That ain't my bitch, but this the men's restroom. What you doing in her?" He was he was drug. She she gave him some eggs. The man ain't know what was going on. What Tania did, she did what she do best. She grabbed as many of his dreads as she could pulled her pulled him towards her and she knocked the shit out of him like she got a few good licks in mine still don't know what's going on he's still halfway coherent basically nia was mad which she should have been granted in the moment i would have been pissed off too but being the reader, I understood what the fuck was going on. My girl Winter. And she has a bitch-ass ex-boyfriend named Reggie who we just don't like. Like, Reggie is like this scum between your, like, at the bottom of your sneakers. Like, and he just, he's like a roach. He just don't go away. It's always there lingering somewhere. Reggie tried my girl Winter. Basically was like, I got a room. Me and my boys want you to come dance for us. Winter was like, boy, fuck you. I don't do that shit. Whatever like that. Winter was like, you need to leave. Because I don't want no problems. Reggie wasn't trying to hear all that. So Marco knocked his ass out to the ground. And then he turns to Winter. And she's trying to explain herself. She was like, Reggie came in here tripping. And Marco just let him go. She was like, just stop. Marco, being the hothead that he is, he's like, why the fuck this motherfucker in your face? And she's sitting here trying to explain to him that he said he had a sleep and he wanted me to come dance. And it wasn't what you thought. Like, I wasn't entertaining this nigga. He came up to me. I don't even know why he was here. This is all the things my girl Winter is trying to get out. Marco says out his mouth. And this was where I wanted to punch the shit out of him. Marco says, that's what I get for being with a stripper, huh? Nobody knows what happened with Sunia and Maya. Tori and Keith are there and they're like oh my gosh what the fuck marco because winter at this point is embarrassed and so marco was like it's true you fucked up ain't it oh i tell you they get into it winter basically says fuck you and that she hates him and she regrets the day that he gave that she gave him five his him weak at his weak ass five minutes and um marco was like you hate me you fucking hate me winter's still trying to swing on him one time it connected with his job she got one good off on him tori trying to be the peacemaker because at this point her and Kira are in a good place the winter was like tori i'm fine i promise like i'm good sis she turned to the marco and said you don't have to worry about me ever fucking you don't have to worry about ever fucking speaking to me again or you don't have to worry about me speaking to you again. Everything just kind of went to shit. And Marco's like, what the fuck did I do? And they're looking like, they're looking at him like, what the fuck did you do? And he was just, 
You know, Marco, that was some weak shit, bro. Even mine, who is still completely out of it, was like, what you do the winter? Tori, she's like, she don't want to talk to you, asshole. And she told him, she was like, that girl loves the hell out of you and you too blind to appreciate her. She gonna find someone worth her time and I'm gonna laugh in your face when she does. Marco like, no the fuck she's not. And he's calling after Winter and she's just not trying to hear him. And he's calling her stubborn, telling her to come back. Before you know it, he is yelling out Marco's name they're at two AK-47s hanging out the window. Blah, 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 blah. My girl goes down. Winter gets shot. Marco is crying his heart out because he realizes that he's in love with this woman. He cannot live without her. And he might lose her. And for him, that shit tears him to pieces. He's sitting there apologizing to Winter while she's taking, like she's, Winter is holding on for dear life. Marco fucked up bad. Yeah, it was, book one was a lot. And again, the climax didn't happen until the last few pages of the book. I had a lot of questions because it was a lot going on. I was like, did my girl Winter make it? That was my first question fresh out the gate. My second question was for they left and went to the opening for the hotel. Tori found out she was pregnant. She took a test. My question, because she hadn't said anything to Key, it had been it had been a few days, if I'm not mistaken. So my question was, did Tori have the abortion? Because when she found out she was pregnant, she was like, this is the worst time to have a baby. She was like, we can't have a kid right now. So my question was, did she abort the baby without telling Key or did she just not tell him yet? Another question I had was, did Tania forgive mine? Like, was she gonna forgive him? Cause technically he was innocent cause he was drugged. My last question was, I was trying to figure out who was trying to kill these people, who was trying to kill people. So I was like, was it Lou? Which is the guy that's the head of the cartel that Marco used to work for. I was like, is it Lou cause they trying to get out the game? Like, do he, do he not want him to be great in life? And then I was like, was, was it, is it Flacco people? Cause Flacco was the dude who, my and key used to work for they used to run for him and i was like was it his people because everybody else in the crew got cute and then i was like or was this somebody completely new like i had these questions by the time we get to relationships that is two we got new people we got introduced to some new people. We got introduced to an entirely new couple. But everybody's so connected. And it's just like, oh my gosh. With Winter in the hospital, she, my girl, pulled through. Hallelujah. So Winter's in the hospital and she just, she does not want to have anything to do with Marco at all. Like, she's just like, bro, stay the fuck away from me. It's really, my girl was just like, ain't no way in the world. She was like, I don't, I don't fuck with you. Everybody's headed to the hospital at this point. With them being headed to the hospital, Tori's realizing that he has been shot. And she was like, you can't die. She's being dramatic. She was like, you can't die. So the important person in this part is the driver, whose name is Cortez, who we don't like. They get to the hospital. Everybody going to check on Winter, whatever like that. Not only did they have, do they have the personal security, they had security and the police from the hotel. Because they was covered. Because like, you know, anytime you have a big event, you got to have security. You got to have protection. 
for basically for your patrons in case some some shit pop off, which it did. They're in the hospital, Mon in the ambulance, Winter's already there. Everybody else makes it to the hospital. Cortez, bitch ass, he ends up missing in all of this. She he ends up missing in all of this. All of in 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 the midst of all of the commotion. He ends up missing while everybody, he drops them off at the hospital and gets the fuck out of die. Things happen. Winter's okay. Everybody's good. Tori tells Key that she's pregnant. Winter's in recovery. I think this, I think this is when Mon confronted Tania about her drinking issue. Yeah, it was a lot going on. So I wrote some notes about it. The reason we don't like Cortez is because he's a bitch. And he's a bitch that was sold to the fucking, to the highest fucking bidder. He, Cortez is a snake and he money hungry. I said that it would not have surprised me if the person who he after is the one to unlive him. It, I wouldn't be surprised because it wasn't revealed until later who he was looking after. That didn't get revealed until book three. But I kind of had an idea. I didn't like Cortez because once it came out that Cortez was working with the enemy, I knew then that he had to go. It came out that Flacco Jr., which is the son of the guy who Key and Ma used to work for. And the one who Marco killed. It came out that Flacco Jr. was the one who was who wanted them killed. But he wasn't the only one. They had two people gunning for them. Because there were some Russians who none of them had affiliation with Russians. Marco did. Marco actually has to kill a Russian. And instead of killing everybody, he left the son. And the son came. When the son got older, basically... The son told him when he was like 11 or 12, he was like, I'm going to kill you. He was like, I hate you. I'm going to kill you for what you did to me because he left him an orphan. So Marco has the Russians after him, but all three of them have Flacco after them. We get to meet Flacco, Gazelle, and Arnado. Or Ardeno, whatever his name is, the R dude, the Russian. That's we, the Russian. We gonna call him the Russian because that's what he is. All ultimately, it took Flacco's brothers because Flacco was the oldest, and he had two younger brothers, and it took his middle brother. It took the brother right under him to basically get him to understand like you can't be mad at these niggas for trying to save their lives like he was like pops was greedy and he was into some shit that he had no business being into because it got revealed that Flacco senior was into it was into the nasty stuff he was into the child pornography and stuff like that and we don't we don't rock with people like that he like and it sounds real jacked up but he was like bro pops got what he deserved and he was like, you just have to be okay with that because once everything came out, his brother was like, is this the legacy you want to continue? And Flacco was like, nah. He was like, that ain't what, I ain't, I ain't trying to do all that. So ultimately, the crew and Flacco squashed their beef. And when, just, when Gazelle got introduced, I thought she was going to be a villain. But once she gave Flacco the file on his daddy, because her dad... And Flacco dad were enemies. They they could not stand each other. They was out for each other. And so once Gazelle gave Flacco the file on his father, 
I was like, she's not, she's not a bad person. She just kind of caught, she kind of cut, um, caught in the middle. So the Russian dude, he, he was just as loony as Cortez and Delia. I think that Gazelle knew, or I think that she was onto something when she made the, when she had the notion or she had the idea that the Russian dude had something to do with her daddy being behind bars on fed time. Like, how is it that you, his right-hand man, you his second-in-command, and these people know everything about his operation? Something in the water ain't clean. That was the beginning, or that was the issue with Cortez and uh, getting introduced to Flacco and Gazelle and the Russian dude. Monte was very, 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 very patient with Tania. He was a very good dude, even with everything that was going on even with her having these trust issues because of the compromising situation that she caught him in even though it wasn't his fault like he still he tried to plead his case this man would not admit he he would not admit that he was drugged and raped he would not and it took him realizing or coming to the understanding that hey bro you finna lose your girl he was like that was when he admitted it that he was drugged and raped because you know it's just like that's not something you want to tell nobody that's not something you want to admit that that type of situation emasculates you and for him to humble himself enough to realize like okay I have to admit this I have to say that this is really what happened then I I had to commend him for that he got his props for that one the issue with that was he was trying to go kill Delia and in trying to kill Delia, he found Deja, Delia's sister and Deja's child, Rylan. The issue that came about is that Tania hadn't been around. And so they had been planning on telling her. They had been thinking of ways to tell her so that she would not flip out about finding about Deja and Rylan. But she pops up one day and she like she walked in on the conversation. And my girl, she was just like, what the fuck? Because why the fuck is Delia's sister in y'all house? Like y'all friends. Like why is she buddy buddy? Now granted, Deja was only 17 and she had a child. And the last time that Mon went over there to see her and to check on her, the house got shot up. So him being the person he is, having the heart that he does, he couldn't just leave them there unprotected, especially when she would have, her and her baby would have died behind her sister and her sister's foolishness. Like Delia was very, very selfish and she did not care about anybody other than herself. She was delusional. She's very delusional. Tania felt some type of way. She felt betrayed. She really wasn't trying to hear what anybody had to say. But I'm glad that on the flip side of that, I'm glad that Tori and Key were on better terms in this book. They had gone through so many things alone that book two really, my heart went out to them because of the simple fact that they got pulled over. Key was taking Tori to see the new house that they were going to move into. They got pulled over. They got stopped and the cops assaulted Key and basically molested Tori and Key couldn't do anything because she, Tori didn't want him to die and so she just let it happen but she was already pregnant. She had told Key she was pregnant. They were getting ready to 
basically they were getting ready to welcome their little girl and it just it really put a sour taste in my mouth and I felt sorry for them I really did because nobody should have to go through that and granted like they weren't I don't even think they were real cops but then come to find out they were cops they were just on a Russian payroll so there's that yeah it was it was bad but I'm glad that they got through it I'm glad they survived it and I'm glad that they were able to overcome it. Winter, <laughs> Winter was giving Marco the business. Like, no lie. She was like, she was still on her butt fuck you. Like, she didn't want to have anything to do with him. She was like, we gonna be in this house, but don't come talk to me. Don't come to my side of the house. Like, don't, don't, I don't want nothing to do with you. And, but I'm happy that they got back together. I'm glad that they got back on track once she um was able to... Once she went to her dog's appointment and she got cleared. And what's her daddy? I don't like her daddy. I don't like Reggie. Like, her daddy was abusing her mama. And it just, it didn't do it for me. Like, I was so ready for Marco to off both of them. It was just, it was a lot. Okay, so book two ends with Tania walking into, into the house, discovering that Deja's there. She, it's this big, it's this whole big what the fuck moment. Book three starts with Monte's point of view. He's holding Rylan from, he, he's coming from the back of the house with Rylan in his arms. And he's basically like, he's talking to Deja who's like, yo, I think he shitted or whatever. So Tania's like, what the fuck, Monte? And she was like, this how this what, this is the type of time we on? Like she really didn't give Monte or Tori a chance to explain themselves. Y'all know how Tania is at this point. Like it's a lot. She she's a lot, and she has she has a lot of trust issues. And with her having these trust issues, it's always a uh, everybody against me. She she really has. I feel like she has this was me complex. I don't like that, but again, I get it. She she has trust issues. She has daddy issues because her dad passed, and so the only man who she really ever quote unquote loved, or who loved her, so to speak, or whoever, the only man who validated her is gone, and so she's missing that. Everybody's trying to get her to listen and um to understand. Deja's trying to leave because she feel like she the problem. Monte was like, Deja, stop apologizing. This has nothing, like, it has to do with you, but it's not you. Like, it's not your fault. There's that. So, Tania leaves. Monte's calling her. She's not answering his phone call, but she texts him back, and she was like, I'm sorry I wasn't enough for you a blase squad you know the, you know the toxic boys me stuff Monte's trying to get her to come back to the house Tania's not trying to come back to the house so she ends up telling him he asks and she ends up telling him that she's downtown because she said she wasn't going home Monte was basically like answer the fucking phone this is what he says to her he told her he said answer the fucking phone just like that and she's like we don't have nothing to talk about blase squad so she's being stubborn he's being this dominant aggressive person that he is so she answers the phone he basically tells her that he's on his way and to answer the phone when she call when he calls her or he's going to put he's going to track her phone and this is when she finds out that he has a tracker on her phone so he knows where she is at all times so the phone call she they're getting off the phone before she can get off the phone good Cortez is right there in her face nobody has seen Cortez since they got to the hospital the night of the opening for the hotel this is the first time that the crew has seen him. Tania's like, oh my God, what the fuck? Like, why are you here? So he's basically, he has a gun to her and he was like, don't you scream, whatever, whatever. She was like, where you came from? How you know where I'm at? 
And he told her that he's been following her. In book two, when Cortez, after he left the hotel, after he left the hospital, after dropping them off, he basically said that he has been doing everything because of her. Everything in the heart is Tania. Cortez has been obsessed with Tania since before Tania and Monte got together. Listen, it's a whole lot of stuff, I'm telling you. They go into the hotel. He's basically telling her, don't make no sounds, don't scream, don't try and run because I'll kill you. But he's sitting, like on the other side of it, he's sitting here telling her that he loves her and he's in love with her and he's coming to save her from Lamonte. And all this other, just like real psychotic stuff. He's really, really psychotic. But what he doesn't know is that Monte, Key, and Marco on the way. They finna pull up because you got my boys fucked up. So he told Tania that he loves her. And she was like, basically she told him, she was like, boy, you don't love me because I don't love you. All this other stuff. And she's, it was kind of antagonizing, but it wasn't to the point, it was antagonizing to the point to where he was trying to do harm to her. He was going to kill her because she was antagonizing him. She's getting flipped out the mouth, saying what she got to say or whatever like that. He told her to calm down. She's like, calm down. How you want me to calm down? Are you talking crazy? She's basically trying to tell him like, I'm not going nowhere with you, whatever, whatever. She said out her mouth. I don't know what type of twisted fatal attraction bullshit you own. But it's not going to fly with me. That was the wrong thing for my girl to say because he snapped. Yeah, he put his gun to her throat. Told her not to snatch away from him because he would fucking kill her. So she started crying. I want to say Cortez was, I don't want to call him schizophrenic, but I want to say he was bipolar. It could it could not be that because I don't know. I didn't write this character. I'm just kind of diagnosing as I go through the story because, sir, you're unstable in your head. Like, you're completely unstable and you should probably be medicated, but that's neither here nor there. Tania is sitting here apologizing because he, at this point, he's making it seem like it's her fault that he's like this, which is not true. However, comma, it is what it is. It gets down to the point to where he's trying to force himself on her. Tania is now in fight or flight mode. That's it. That's all. My girl say, it's not going down like that. Like she don't want to kiss him. And he's trying to kiss her. She does not want to kiss him. She's like, just let me go. She was like, just let me go. Just let me go. He tried to, he tried to rape my girl. She basically, Tania ended up trying to fight for herself. She, she was defending herself. She was defending her life. He was on top of her and he still had the gun to her. He still had the gun in his hand. And so she was trying to time it just right to where he moved the gun and she could reach for the gun to basically put the gun on him so that she could, you know, defend herself or whatever. It almost didn't work out in my girl favor because he about had her. So they're tussling over the gun before it, he was, he was in, he wasn't in his right state of mind. He was like, see what you made me do. And so it's like, he got furious. He called her an ungrateful bitch. He basically was like he was mad because she let monte hit it was bad he was about to kill her over that one right there that was when he forced her into the bed or whatever like that and she's trying so hard to fight for her life she's like he's trying to kiss her he was like she was like she didn't want to basically she he forced her to open her mouth so he can kiss her. I don't I don't think we got a good description of what Cortez looked like but obviously he wasn't Monte she was disgusted for multiple reasons. The biggest one being, I was never attracted to this dude. He was like, it could all be so simple. Cue Lauren Hill. Like, whatever. 
And so she sees the gun in the corner of his eye and he's he's so into it, like into this kiss or whatever. She's cringing because apparently he's cringeworthy. Like, because, you know, when it's somebody who you're not really attracted to, it's like, eh, I, mm, 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 mm. so he was like, you taste better than I imagined. And she's, he was like, I can't wait to get inside of you. And she's just cringing. She's like, oh my gosh, get off of me. My skin is crawling. And she was like, he wasn't ugly, but he wasn't Monte. That's what she said. She was appreciating the relationship with Monte even more now because, you know, this is the unwanted attention that us girls do not, we don't like it. So once she reaches for the gun, they reach for it at the same time. He called her a stupid bitch. They're tussling or whatever, and she's squeezing her thighs. So she's trying to get away from him. Boom. My niggas busted the room. Monte said, get the fuck off her. Somebody snatched him up. I don't know who it was. It was probably Monte. I, you know, I don't know which one it was, but one of them snatched him off the floor and threw him against the wall. Boom. That's it. That's all. Monte picked Tania up. He was, he was checking on her, making sure she was good or whatever. Cause you know, that's his boo. That's, that's his baby. Uh, Key and Marco are whipping Cortez behind. Like they're punching him. They're, listen. To the end of him. Keaton says, bitch ass fuck boy. And then pulled his gun out. Shot and he he was he was pointing it at Cortez. So Tani was like, wait, Key. And she said, I want to know why the fuck he did this to me. Basically, Cortez was like, you know why I did this. I've always wanted you. I was trying to protect you and keep you safe. And basically he was saying, like, you're too good for Monte. Monte cut this nigga off and shot him six times in the chest. And then he says to Tania, Did you hear enough? And I'm just like, dog. Yeah, that was that was how book three began. It goes to Tori's POV and they're trying to figure out what happened with Tania. You know, y'all know Tori. She she the emotional friend. And then it don't help that she pregnant, because now she in mommy mode. There the guys are running back the story. Tania's just like don't fucking talk to me. She didn't want to talk to nobody. Everybody, the girls, Winter and Tori was trying to get Tania to talk. Tania wasn't trying to talk. Tania really wasn't having it. They were basically just trying to get her to have a conversation to open up to them and it wasn't working. The cleanup crew was done with the cleanup of Cortez in the hotel or whatever, whatever, which they had already made sure the cameras were disabled. So nobody saw them going in or out. So at this point, Tori is about six or seven months and she didn't want to have a baby shower because of the trauma that went down in book one with the first baby, which is completely understandable for anybody who's ever lost a child or anybody who's ever had like a difficult pregnancy or anything like that. And you understand that fear that comes behind it. It's like, I don't want to celebrate because I don't want to jinx it or anything like that. So Tori didn't want to have a baby shower. However, her homegirls was like, bitch, you having a baby shower. She didn't have a choice. With that, she was like, okay, fine. We'll do a baby shower. But at the same time, because Deja didn't have a baby shower and there wasn't anything like she never really got to celebrate or embrace the fact that she was pregnant with Rylan. She was like, we don't want to do a baby shower, point blank period, even though Rylan's already here, even though Rylan's almost two months, two years old. Well, no, he was already, he was one then. I'm getting ahead of myself. So, but to me, but Tori was like, 
we're going to do a baby shower and you're going to be you're going to be gifted too. like we're going to shower you too. So that was that Monte was still upset because Tania wasn't trying to talk to him. She wasn't fucking with him. She wasn't fucking with nobody really. She was really hot and cold throughout the entire book. She went through a lot. And the one thing she told Monte when they first got together was she did not do drama. And ever since they've been together, she's been dealing with drama. I get it. So she was still harping on the whole issue with Delia with the fact that she felt like she couldn't trust him, even though he did not do anything. He didn't do anything wrong. He was doing what he was supposed to do. And people kept fucking with him and inadvertently kept fucking with her. And she didn't like that. And I understood it. Few days go by. Tania apologized to Deja. They talk it out, have a powwow, now they're friends or whatever. They're getting to know each other. Deja reveals that she wants to go to college for Dan. You, if anybody was ever a teenage parent, then y'all know without the actual support of a family or anything like that, y'all know how hard it is to do too many things at one time because you don't you want to better yourself, but you can't better yourself because you have a child, but you want to better yourself for your child. And so you have all of these different things, all these different factors that come into play. When it comes to being a teenage parent or a single parent that's wanting, you have the desire to do better, but you don't always have that support. So when Deja revealed that she wanted to go to college to be on the dance team, Tania was like, girl, why you can't? And so Deja, she was never the type of person to depend on anyone else because she never had anyone to depend on. So. She was like, I can't because I still got to take care of my baby. Like, I won't be able to do both. I won't be able to do what I want to do. I'll just stay here and go to community college. And I'll just give up my dreams about being a dancer. To me, it wasn't having it. Went to what having it. When she came into the conversation, she was like, girl, whatever. She was like, we gonna, I'm going to help you. We're going to get it together. We're going to lose whatever weight you're talking about. Because Deja was like, she was overweight. Which... By the standards for JSU, according to this book, she was a little bit overweight. Like she had, she had baby weight that she needed to get rid of, and that was cool. That was okay. So she found out that Tadia was into fitness, to was a dancer. So with them two, they helped her come up with this routine that she would go on to do for her auditions for these for the colleges that she wanted to go to. So then we hear from ugly bitch ass Reggie. What he does. We found out that he's working with the Russian dude, with Ardeno, Ardeno, or whatever his name is. Anyways, we found out that they're working together because Reggie wants Winter back. Winter don't fuck with him. Like, Winter don't want him at all. So, basically, the entire time that they were together, they were together for two years. He cheated on her the entire time. He had her basically completely dependent on him. And then he's kind of like snatched the rug from up under her. And that's not cool. So that was why Winter ended up working at the strip club in the first place. Because she did not want to depend on a man. And she was in school. My girl was going for her master's. She need, she had to do what needed to be done. She had bills to pay. And she could not live with her parents. Or she, It wasn't that she couldn't live with her parents. She didn't want to live with her parents. Because her daddy was abusive. Like, who would want to be in that environment if they didn't have to be? Reggie, stupid ass, basically got a crew with the Russian. It was actually the Russian's crew. He, with his salty ass, decided that... He wanted to break into the club. With him breaking into the club, they basically destroyed everything in the club. 
And he painted a mural of winter. With this mural, he wrote very, very, very foul things about winter. Mural, the uh, what he said on it was something along the lines of, I had her first. Yeah. He basically said, I had her first. And Marco basically was like, he never wanted to body somebody so bad. And I can't say that I blame him because why are you coming for me over my girl who don't want you no more? The Russian dude still trying to get Gazelle. Gazelle's with Flacco and she's happy, but the Russian is trying to do everything to keep them from being together. It's crazy to me because you, first of all, the Russian is entire, like Gazelle don't want him at all she don't trust him she don't like him he's young like he's younger than her he's only in his 20s and she's like almost like in her mid 30s like she ain't trying to bro she not she not checking for you she's not checking for you at all like you're like the annoying little cousin that nobody likes winter finds out what reggie did and how he destroyed the club. Marco and Winter are talking and she's like, she's baffled. She can't believe it. Marco is like, you want me to calm down? Like, do you see this? He's obviously, they call Reggie a coward because he is. Marco is plotting on how he's going to kill Reggie, basically. He's, he's plotting on it. And she was like, maybe I can help with the whole Reggie situation. Because at this point, he's a thorn in both their behinds. So Marco was like, nope, nope, absolutely not. You're not going to do it. I don't want you nowhere near it. And because once he's like, I'm going to help you set him up. Marco's like, no, you're not. Not at all. Not in, Nope, 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 nope. Eventually he's, he agrees. He was basically, he did, he didn't want her to do it because he wanted to protect her. Winter put that power on him, got him to say yes, because like my great-grandmother said, you should never be broke because you're sitting on a pot of gold. And Wincy used her pot of gold for good because she was sick of this nigga. With that, she calls Reggie after she unblocked him because she he was calling her and she wasn't, she wasn't setting him. She calls Reggie and basically tells him that she wants to get away from Marco. She's like, she plays her part very, very well. She was like, what did you expect me to do? You were cheating on me and you verbally abused me. And I couldn't be in a relationship with you because you was hurting me. You was doing me more harm than good. So he's like, I love you, blase, squase. He was like, basically, he couldn't deal with anything else. He couldn't deal with anything that came with her being a stripper or whatever like that. And he was insecure and he turned into a dick, which I feel like he was a dick from the beginning, but that's neither here nor there. And so he's like, I want you back. She tells him that she wants out of the relationship with Marco. And he was like, did she, did he touch you? She's like, it was only one. Keep in mind, Marco's never put his hands on Winter. He was like, give me the address. I'm pulling up. And she was like, no, they'll kill you. He was like, tell me where that nigga let his head at. And she was like, I can't, Reggie. You don't understand. And he's talking about something. What the F don't I understand? He's trying to get her to give him the address. And Winston's like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I can't tell you or whatever like that. The whole time, Daisy's sitting here listening to the conversation because now it's her POV. Marco was like, I put my hands on you. He was like, you had to do all of that. And she was like, I had to play the part of Denzel in distress. Like, she was like, I, I was acting. And so Marco, being the jackass that he is, he was like, 
I think you missed your calling. Because he's salty. He, Marco was not feeling it at all. Winter was like, well, what's wrong with the dude? Well, no. Deja asked Winter what was wrong with the dude. Deja, and Winter had to let her know. She was like, girl, he cheat. He lied. He used to love. and he, Like, he loves to lie and cheat on me. That's it. He don't love me for real. And she was like, you really think Marco gonna kill you? And Winter was like, no, he's just jealous. And that turns me on. And she was like, I'll make it up to him later. Everybody was like, where's Tania? They figured out, well, somebody told them that she had a therapy session and mom went with her. And so they're questioning Deja about her application for school. And she was like, no, I haven't. And Tori was like, school's in four months. Hurry up. What the problem? What, what your hold up is? Being sister mama that she needed. She was like, I need to focus on being a mother. Tori was like, what they got to do with school, sis? She stopped eating at that point because Tori's pregnant. She good and pregnant. And so... Tori gonna eat. That's all she do. The um, the thing, the one thing that was consistent with Tori her entire pregnancy was the fact that she was not gonna miss a meal. And they talked about that. They they laughed at her about it because Tori. They say Tori ain't never turned down no food. And so she was like, y'all don't understand. Deja was just she was just letting them know like I got so much stuff that I need to take care of. And focusing on school is not something that I can do right now. She was like, my sister don't fell off the face of the earth. His daddy did. My parents did. And she was like, I ain't got nobody. And so she was crying. It was just like, it was sad because we all know people who go through this type of struggle. But to see somebody, like to see it in print, it hit different. Granted, I personally don't know anybody, but I know people who know people. And so they was like, girl, you need to cry. Like, if you're going to cry, you can cry. Like, it's okay to cry. She's like, Winter, um, they just like, I don't have time to cry. She was like, I can't sit, mope, mope and complain. She was like, at the end of the day, the reality is I'm not doing a good job of being a mother. She was like, we're homeless and we don't have no clothes outside of what y'all done bought us. She was like, she didn't want to be a taker because she's never been that type of person. And I get it. Like, she, she used to just, she struggled. She she was just, a, she was going to struggle and that's all she was going to do. And she didn't want to feel like she was a burden and that's what she felt like. It really, it frustrated her more than anything. She was just like, I can't do this. And so she wanted to check out, but she knew she had to get it together for Ryland. They were, Winter and Tori were like, well, you never talk about Ryland's dad. What about like what happened with him or whatever? Before she could even get the conversation or get the words out about what happened to Malik Tania walks in so it saves her from the conversation that she tries to suppress so much and so they come in with clothes or they come in with bags for Rylan and Deja Tania sends mom to the bed to put stuff in Deja's room she commences with her story and she tells the tragic story of how of the day she found out she was pregnant and everything that led up and went after that it's a tough it's a tough read it is really tough because the way she explains it the way she knows it at this point it was something completely random she knew he had enemies in the streets but she never realized or she never expected it to get to the point to where they wanted him for a day yet the girls are encouraging her they're telling her like she doesn't really have to worry like he didn't leave you he didn't want to leave you it wasn't like he planned on getting killed that day it wasn't like he did it intentionally like he planned on it to happen like that's not what happened and that's what they're trying to encourage her about and get her to understand they come up with the idea that they're going to make sure that Deja goes to college by any means necessary 
these girls are like, they're, they're like the best friends that we all wish we had. They're the support group that everybody needs, basically. They get Deja. They get her together. They was like, girl, you're going to school. Whatever. Whatever you talking about. What you saying? You're going to school. You're going to go dance. And you're going to be great. That's what they do. And they make a road trip out of it. Granted, Tori can't go because she's pregnant. And Key not going to let her go nowhere. No way. But they plan the road trip. And Tori said... But she'll get over it. So mine takes Tania to her next therapy appointment because at this point he's not letting her out of her out of his sight, which rightfully so because you never know at this point who after you and who not. He asked her if he can come in. She was like, No, not this time. He's like, Okay, well I'm gonna run to the store and get something to eat because I'm hungry. Do you want something? She was like, No, just come back because she like that was her biggest thing. She was like, You're coming back right. At this point, it's almost like a codependency because of trauma, but I get it. We all, we understand that part. He runs to the store. Tania calls him like, hey, um, you can come in when you get back. And he was like, cool, give me 10 minutes. No, Tania was like, give me 10 minutes and then come in. He disconnects the phone call. He gets up to go. He gets out of the car to go to the store, into the store. He sees Delia. He was like, what you doing on the side of town? After he pulls a gun on her. And she was like, I had an appointment. And he was like, where? And she was like, at the clinic downtown. The clinic was called regional. And she was like, yes, Lamonte. And he was like, don't say my fucking name. Like, this shit was hilarious. You hear me? He still got this gun on her. And basically, he was like, it's pretty fucking convenient that you have an appointment at a clinic. What kind of appointment? And she was like, I've been trying to reach you. And he was like, reach me for what? And she was like, I've been needing to talk to you. And he was like, why are you talking to fucking Sam? <laughs> he was over her. He was so over her. And I can't be mad at him. He basically told her, he was like, I spent the last three months looking for you to put a bullet in your head. For that shit you pulled. And she was like, I figured that. And I'm sorry for what I did to you. And she was like, I didn't want to do it, but Flacco. And he was like, he, I really don't give a fuck. So he had a gun still pointed at her head or whatever. Because everything she was saying was falling on deaf ears. Because he wasn't trying to hear it. She bust out with, I'm pregnant. And he was like, you what? <laughs> and she started and talking about, I'm pregnant. And she was like, please don't kill me girl he couldn't tell if he if she was pregnant or not granted she was on like three months but yeah she was she was 12 weeks and so he was like whose baby is it and she was like she starts crying these wolf tears or whatever and she was like it's between you and flacco girl what so she reveals to monte that she slept with him and flacco on the same night the night that she raped him she went back to the crib with flacco and she hopped on his, yeah, she hopped on it. And he was like, we used the condom. And she was like, yeah, but I poked toes in it. If I was Monte, I would have pistol with that. He's a what, ma'am? And she told us, I was stupid. I just wanted to make sure that my baby got, that my baby makes her safely. And I don't care what happens to me. And so he's looking at the paperwork. And so he got all her information off the paperwork. So he knew where to find her. He knew how to get in contact with her, blase squase. She was like, she's been trying to find her sister, but she can't find her. And she has her nephew and the house was shut up. And she was like, I can't find them. Monte knows exactly where they are, but he's not telling her that. She was, he asked her, he was like, where are you staying? She was like, I got an apartment downtown. And he was like, when's your next appointment? And she was like, she told him that she come every two months after the visit. And so he's sitting here, he is livid 
Monte don't at this point don't know heads from tails. He don't know which way to turn. He like he he basically in his head is like Tania can't take another blow and I'm finna rock a world yet again. I felt bad for Monte. I really did. I really felt bad for him because he was not intentionally doing anything wrong. And wrong just kept coming to this man. He was like, how am I telling you? And he, and he just, he's losing his mind because he's afraid that he's going to lose his girl. And it was, oh, it was bad. It was bad. It was very, very bad. And so he immediately tells Tania because he does not want to keep secrets from her. He doesn't want her to feel like he's trying to hide something from her anymore, especially after the whole Delia, after the whole Deja thing. So she was like, why you ain't kill her? And he was like, I couldn't cause she pregnant. And she was like, I don't care. Sydney was like, fuck that bitch, fuck that hoe. Cause all of this is all her fault in the first place, which I completely agree. Like, I completely agree. Everything was Delia's fault. None of this would have happened if Delia wouldn't have been fucking around with Flacco. Flacco, like, all of it's her fault. Everything that transpired after the opening of the hotel is her fault. Whether she did it directly or not, everything is her fault. That's how I see it. That's how I feel. And I'm going to stand on that heel. Doggone it. Like, Tania's upset at this point. She's very, very upset. Because, and she's like, I don't want to be around you. And she was like, just take me home. And so he's sitting here trying to plead his case yet again. He was like, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. Like, none of this was intentional. Like, this is all, this is all her fault. This is all her doing. He was like, she raped me and she poked toes in the condom. Like, he's trying to plead his case. And Tania is not having it. She's like, bro, just stop fucking talking to me. I don't want to hear nothing else you got to say. She was like, I'm just done. And he was like, can't we just go to the loft and talk about it? And Tania's at this point is like, whatever, bro. I don't even care no more. And so they get to the loft. And because it's still quiet at the loft, it's just really like, I don't. He, She was like, don't touch me. He was like, okay, I won't touch you. I just want to make sure that the spot is safe. Because you can't trust just walking to your house normally. Because you don't know if somebody's trying to kill you. He checked it and made sure everything was safe. Tania's still trying not to talk to him. Monte's like, I just want to talk to you. He was like, please just listen. So she walks in the room, closes and locks the door. And he was like, I got a key to the room. Like, he was like, I got a key to the door. And she was like, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, it don't matter. So he's begging and crying. Listen, this man was begging like, he sweat. You hear me? He was like, <laughs> he was like, he was begging like Josie. <laughs> it is not funny. But the amount of begging this man was doing in this story, it's just like, girl, you really finna make this man suffer like that. Like you really finna make this man suffer when you know consciously he had nothing to do with it. Like it was not his fault. Like, I just oh my god. So he's sitting here begging and pleading and all but crawling on his knees and crying. He was like, I want to fix it. Basically, Tania gets real with him because after he tells her that he doesn't want to lose her. And she was like, but what about my fears? What about me? Like, that's really what she was saying. She was like, what about me? What about what I want? So, yeah, like they they get through it or 
They they are going to get through. They make the conscious effort to get through it. Gazelle and Flacco have their issues or whatever because Gazelle is overly independent. She don't need Flacco for nothing. And Flacco hates it because he's the type of man that is used to women needing him. And Gazelle is the type of person where, hey, hey, babe, like, I got my own career going on. I got my own thing going on. I'm going to call you when I need some dick and that's it. Like, I'm going to call you when I need some dick. I'm going to call you when I want to go out to eat. But outside of that, I'm not calling you because I don't need you. He's like, Flacco's like this. I'm your man. I'm your man. Like, let me be your man. Gazelle ain't trying to hear that because she's been on her own for so long she has an actual issue with trusting a man when it comes to a relationship because she has an issue with letting a man be a man because it's always been her taking care of herself flaco asks gazelle to move in with him so he can protect her gazelle's not having it and she because she's like how long do i gotta be here flaco's like until i kill your boyfriend because at this point he under he knows that him and the russian are beefing like it's bad like, he want him back. He want him out of the game so bad. And I don't even remember what the issue was between them other than the fact that he want, that the Russian wanted Gazelle and Gazelle was with Flacco. Flacco tells Gazelle, I want you to move in, with, in here with me until I kill the Russian. She's like, okay. He tells her that he wants to put a detail on her. And she was like, is that absolutely necessary? Flacco told her, he was like, it's either that or you cut your hours at work. It's up to you. And she was like, I can't come my hours. Because she was, I want to say she was an executive at the, at a television uh, station. I want to say that's what she did. I want to say she was, she was one of the top people there. He basically told her that until she applied, she was on probation, which means she couldn't get an dean. Like she couldn't get no pain. And shoot. So, well, okay, whatever you want. Cause you're not going to cut off my access to that. Like you're not doing it. So he basically told her, he was like, until you move in here, you on probation. Gazelle was like, he was serious. Like they, it was like, she had a week with no sex and it was driving her crazy. He was really holding, he was standing his ground. He was 10 toes on this no sex until you move in. She's at work, minding her business, doing what she does. The Russian shows up to the job. Oh boy. He shows up. He was like, I've been waiting to see you. And she was like, for what? And she was like, we need to have a combo. He told her that they need to have a conversation or they already had a conversation and that she needs to stay away from Flacco because the Russian felt like he couldn't make his move on Flacco because Gazelle was always around. But Gazelle was sitting here telling him, bro, you're not my dad. You're not my man. Like, you don't tell me what to do. You don't tell me who to be around, who to entertain or whatever. And he was just like... He was, he wasn't trying to hear it. So he rubs her up. She calls Flacco because at this point she realizes that her life is in danger. She calls Flacco and she was like, I need you to get my job ASAP. It should not have taken all of that for you to realize that this man was batshit crazy. Like you of all people should have known that ahead of time. It is what it is. It's neither here nor there. And you learned your lesson, Gazelle. So after that whole situation, we get to the point where uh, Tori and Tania are talking. Winter's in the room with Deja going over her routine. And Marco walks in. And Marco's like, I need y'all help. Because Marco's been... Winter kind of iced Marco. So they haven't really been seeing eye to eye. Because Marco been on his period, it seemed like. Like, Marco was... He was really, like, being a douchebag to Winter ever since the whole uh, setting Reggie up thing. He pulls out rings, 
and they're like, you're going to propose? He was like, uh, yeah. He was, and they was like, that's why he was mad at everybody? And he was like, I haven't been that bad. And they was like, bro, we thought Winter was going to kill you because he's been that much of a douchebag. He was like, he been stressed out, sneaking the jeweler in and out, trying to keep Winter from knowing what's going on. And so he showed them the ring that he chose. And they was both like, no. They was like, go with this other one. They was like, they expensive, but bigger is not always better. Especially since the fact that Winter is a very subtle person. Like, she likes to find her things in life, but she not flashy. And so they was like, don't go. She was like, don't, don't do that. Because she's not going to like that. Because that's not how she is. So they pick out the ring. Marco says thank you or whatever like that. So Tori goes and she's watching Winter and Deja go over their routine. And Winter, she's out of breath. She was like, this is not the type of dance I'm used to. And Deja's sitting there laughing at her. And so they come up with the plan to leave the house. Because at this point, the guys are not letting them leave without them with them. With that, they're like, each one of them going as they do. Like, can we go out to eat? And it was Tori's idea because, you know, she was tired of being stuck in the house like I get it you pregnant you want to be outside they end up going out the girls tell the guys that they want to sit at separate tables the guys are not trying to have it but they comply because it's already a party at seven and the girls just want to go out to have a good time with the, they want to have a girls night the, the the guys weren't trying to have all that but they let them do it even though they were like a few tables over Tania pisses off Monte because Monte. Tania thinks that Monte is trying to flirt with the waitress, which he's not. He ain't even trying to really pay her does. But then Tania takes it too far and she goes and she flirts, openly flirts kind of with the waiter, even though the waiter um, is Deja's aide. Like, he's a baby. She, Monte was about to, was about to kill her. And she was like, I wasn't flirting with him, even though it looked like it, but she it was funny because she was like tag deja because the dude was so young monte was like you was about to get that boy fucked up he was like tania was like why are you jealous of a kid he was like i wouldn't care if the nigga was 55 you about to get this man fucked up so marco gets ready to take winter on a date and he's completely nervous he's just like he doesn't know what to do he doesn't know what to expect because he wants winter to say yes but he also knows that his actions aren't giving her a reason to say yes. So they go on a date to her favorite restaurant. He rents out her favorite restaurant. They have the staff there and it's just them and the staff. The waiter, he's like, we have everything set for you. They eat dinner. Everything goes great. So he asks her about the baby shower plan planning. And basically, if it bothers her that she's planning this baby shower, but she really wants a child of her own, he was like, it, she basically told him, she was like, it stings a little bit, but it's not to the point to where I cannot be genuinely happy for my friend. So she gets up and goes to the restroom after their conversation. And when she comes back, she's in for the surprise of her life. And she was like, it looked like ninjas just came and like put everything together really, really quickly. Marco had candles, roses, and an orchestra. The six-piece orchestra. Huh. Six of them. He finally gets to the point to where he says his speech. And when he says the speech or whatever, she's a bucket of tears like my girl cannot hold it in for anything so he asked her to be his wife and he says 
he basically, he says, please. Like, and she tells him, she was like, you don't have to say please. Of course, I'll marry you a million times, yes. And so they're excited about getting married. So then we get to the Russian, because, of course, it's, it always goes back to the Russian. So he's upset, and he was like, why is Flacco not dead? So he's talking to his main lieutenant. He's talking to Victor, who I feel like, I don't know, Victor, he showed up a few times, but he wasn't an important. The Russian dude, he he's just like, he's ready for Flacco to die. Like, he had done... He hit all of his houses. He hit all of his trap houses. He basically took all of his money and all of his drugs. But Flacco could not figure out who was being the unloyal person in his camp. His right hand was the person who was being unloyal, who was who didn't have any loyalty. He didn't have a loyal bone in his body. So he made the mistake in saying that he caught. First of all, he called Gazelle a bit. That was first and foremost. So Flacco was about to take his head off on that one. He was just like, he was basically like, who the fuck you talking about? Who is it? Who, who you talking about? Who you talking to? Frank is who was speaking. He was, he was not, Frank didn't last long at all. Frank was the one who made a misstep and Frank, and Frank got laid out. Flacco says, Dion, come get your brother off the floor. Like it was nothing. Flacco calls Keaton. He's basically catching Keaton up on what's going on. Talking about somebody suggested there was a snake. He was like, this nigga's out of control. Because they knew it was the Russian dude that they was talking about. And so they asked to meet up or whatever. So after Flacco gets off the phone with Key, he calls Gazelle. Because at this point, there's, she still hasn't moved in. So he's upset with her. like, And rightfully so, because how can I protect you if you're not here? This is what it's going to be. So we jump to Key's point of view. It's the day of the baby shower. He's salty because Tania and Winter are the only two people who know what they're having because they decided to do a gender gender reveal baby shower type thing. He's trying to fit, he he wants somebody to tell him. And Tania's like, no, we're not telling you nothing. He goes and he finds his wife. He go find Tori. He was like, maybe you can convince them to tell us what we're having or whatever like that. And she was like, baby, like. We it, we don't have that much time to wait. Like, it's not that serious. You could wait a little bit. So they go downstairs to the backyard where the baby shower is happening or whatever. He's still trying to figure out what they're having, how he can sneak and figure out what they're having or whatever like that. So Tori does what she does, and she goes to get her plate of food, having a good time, sitting around laughing or whatever. Next thing you know, shots fired. <laughs> right, tat, tat, tat. Everybody scream. Everybody makes a run for it. Just going back and rereading this, it's just, it's crazy. So they're trying to figure out who was shooting up the freaking baby shower. Like, first of all, who knew where the house was to even shoot up the baby shower? It is discovered that the Russian had something to do with it. Reggie, because <laughs> he's not dead yet. <laughs> So Reggie sits there and has an entire fit because the Russian told him that Winter was not at the house. Reggie found out Winter was at the house and he had a fit, a, a, like a little girl fit. Like he was, he was acting like a little girl. The Russian was like, he was going to get things done, even if it meant putting Gazelle's life in danger. He was like, he wanted revenge and he wouldn't stop until he got it. They know who it is. He had to talk with Flacco. So he knew Flacco wasn't in on it. He knew Flacco had nothing to do with it. They knew that their that their problem was the Russian and Reggie. That was the only people who they had to worry about. Monte, Marco, and Key, 
having a conversation. They they plotting and planning, scheming, if you will. Monte was like, I ran into Delia. He runs back the story, finding out that she was pregnant. They was like, why you didn't kill her? And he was like, it's a possibility she carrying my baby. So the next scene with Monte is they're at Tania's therapy session. Tania's sitting here and she's trying to express herself. Monte is getting upset. The therapist has to interject and she has to let Monte know that Tania's talking and she's trying to tell you what's wrong and why she's stressed out and you aren't listening to her. And Monte didn't feel like that. And Tania drops the line that everybody hates, but we love to say, it's not you, it's me. Because she was dealing with her own insecurities and trying to get through her own insecurities and everything that was happening was playing on her insecurities. And she was feeling inadequate, even though Monte never made her feel that way. Internally, she felt that way. And that was the issue that she had was her feelings of being inadequate. After the therapy session, we get to the setup with Winter and Reggie. So Winter was like, did you shoot up the baby shower? And he was like, I didn't know you was going to be there. You weren't supposed to be there. I was told that you weren't there. Reggie was like, it wasn't supposed to happen that way. Winter was like, but you did. Reggie's trying to plead his case, being the bitch ass nigga that he is. He was like, he lied to me, Winter. I'm sorry about that. You weren't supposed to be there. I would have never let it go that far. I didn't mean for it to go that far. And she was like, so what's the plan? And he was like, I can't tell you that. And she was like, you have to. And he was like, don't you know the man that you work for is trying to kill me? And he was, and she, he, she was basically like trying to plead with him. And she was like, I thought you said you loved me. <laughs> Winston be playing her part, baby. Do you hear me? Winter plays her role and she does it well. He was like, I do love you, Winter. And she was she was like, but you would allow him to kill me. And so Reggie's frustrated with himself. And so she's like, I'm terrified, Reggie. I don't want to get away from I want to get don't you see I want to get away from this situation? And so he was like, come to me, come right now. And so she says, send me the address. His <laughs> dumb butt sends her the address. She knocks on the hotel door where Reggie is. He was he was scoping the scene before he let her in. And he was like, did anybody follow you? And she was like, no, it's just me. Like nobody followed me or whatever. They have, they're having this whole conversation. He pulls a gun on her. He basically tells her that she's damaged goods. And she was like, you would actually kill me. And so he says, and this is how y'all know he ain't got it all. He says, you should have stayed with me when I asked you to. I even had your dad try and talk some sense into you, but you didn't listen. You never listened. Now I'll just kill you and kill myself. She was like, fuck, where's the Marco? Marco come in guns blazing. Gun ain't right at Reggie. Winter ducks because she knows what to do. And so Marco had his silencer on. Like he always does. Because Mark, the crew never goes anywhere without their silencer. Like, they don't want you to know nothing. Winter, she's ducked off to the side. She's crying. Marco doesn't like that she's crying. But Marco also doesn't understand why she's crying. And she had to explain to him, I'm not crying over him. She thought she was ready to be this ride or die chick. And she's not. She was like, she, she's never been in a situation where she had to be around somebody. Like, and watch the life leave that person. It had nothing nothing to do with Reggie she was like I've never had to experience anything like that and so she had to explain that to him which he finally understood after she really explained it and then my girl pulls up a, a big one over him and she was like we're not having sex to the honeymoon the girls minus Tori go on the college tour road trip Tori's on um, Rylands with Tori 
And they just steady trying to call every hour on the hour trying to check on her baby because this is the first time that she's been away from him. The girls are having a good old time on their college tour. We jump over to Marco. They're having a conversation like the guys typically do. So Key lets them know. He was like, hey, Flacco won't end on whatever hit we got with the Russian. They decide to meet up with Flacco and to devise a plan to get back at the Russian. The crew has a meeting with Flacco and his brother. Flacco asked if they want to in on the product and mom was like nah we don't do that no more and they just only want to get rid of that nigga. Then Gazelle calls Flacco and she's apologizing. She's like I'm sorry I miss you. All this other stuff. She's dick deprived. I don't care what nobody else said. Gazelle was dick deprived. That's why she was apologizing. Point blank period. But because Flacco loved her and she loves him they made plans to meet up and Gazelle was sitting at the restaurant waiting on Flacco and he never showed. She's calling him. Phone is going straight to voicemail and she leaves him a very nasty voicemail she basically called him stupid so gazelle gets home when she gets home she she sees somebody looking out her window she lives by herself so she's like nobody should be in my house and she was like nothing looks out of place or whatever and so she grabs her phone to pull up her surveillance she sees that the camera on the back door was blacked out she goes in the house she from the cameras she could see that flacco is in her house in her living room and he's strapped to a chair and he's badly beaten and unconscious. And so she's like, oh my God. She looked in the kitchen. She like, she's looking through her camera slide to see what she can see. And nothing, that's the only thing she sees is Flacco in the living room. Cause she checked the room room. So she went in the house and she was headed to go get her gun. She was snatched back before she even had a chance to get to the gun, to get to Flacco, any of that. Some way, somehow, Gazelle outsmarts this clown. She makes it over to the fireplace. She takes some piece from the fireplace. She knocks him out. Then she takes the gun and she shoots him. That's how she got rid of the Russian. Once she got rid of the Russian, gets over to Flacco and she called 911. She calls Key. Basically was like, Flacco's in the hospital. I killed the Russian. And she was terrified because of how bad Flacco's injuries were. The crew was like, we got to get to her house. By the time they get there, they was like, we got to get him to the hospital. They The crew was like, we going to split up. He was like, y'all get Flacco to the hospital. He told Marco, he was like, you and Gazelle get, Marco, get Flacco to the hospital. Him and mine was going to go get the rest of them people. So mine and Key went to the house of uh, Officer Bennett. They rung a doorbell or whatever. And it was late. It was really late at night. He cracked the door open my, and then Monte kicked it in. He was like, what the fuck? And I got to read this to you so y'all understand how crazy, hilarious this is. And maybe I just got a sadistic sense of humor, but oh well. It says the television had gay ass porn showing on it. And Carson was on all fours in the middle of the living room with some kind of gag in his mouth. His eyes got big when he saw me. Oh my God. Do you know how hilarious this scene visualized in my head because y'all partners right y'all y'all partners these the same police officers who had assaulted tori and keith and i'm coming to kill you and this is what i see bro i'm sitting i'm laughing in your face like i'm going to laugh so hard so it says remember me bitch ass nigga this is what Key says. He was like, I hit him across the head with the gun as Lamonte held the gun to Bennett's head. Carson fell over and spit the ball out of his mouth as he looked up at me with pleading eyes. Please don't kill me. 
And so Key says, you want some gay shit and got the nerve to fucking molest my wife? (laughs) Y'all, like, do you understand the type of anger you got to have in this moment to not laugh at this? He said, so Key was like, the rage I didn't even realize I still had behind this shit consumed me. I pointed my gun at Carson's head. You don't, you know what they say, Carson. When the clip opens up, you get fucked. He said, I think they call that shit Netflix and chill. And then he says, I emptied the clip inside him as mine did the same shit to Benny. Let's get to the hospital. And that's how it ended. Like, they ended with killing these cops while they was watching gay porn and doing gay stuff. Like, and I don't have a problem with people being gay. But in this situation... I would have been laughing my ass off so hard because what type of thing? Why you like that? Why? Why? Why are you? Why are you like that? But you, you assaulting people, and that's what that's type of time you on. Okay, hey baby, pick a struggle. So then the epilogue jumps to five months later, and we're at Marco and Winter's wedding. And Winter was a beautiful bride. Marco was happy. They trying to run off and do some things because Winter was. Winter was serious about not having sex with that man till they got married. They were tied for forever. Winter was like, I got a surprise for you. And he was like, he was trying to get it in. Marco was like, I don't wait too long for this. Winter was like, can you stop being nasty for like two minutes? Marco was, Marco was ready to get it in. He was like, I've been backed up too long for this. Winter reveals that she's having a baby and they're excited. Ki and Tori have already had a child. Her name is Joni, Journey, uh, Journey Monet Miles. And she's five months. She had the baby at the same time that all this other stuff was going down. She looks like Tori, but she got a few features from Ki. That's it. Monte's parents and Tania's mom were at the wedding and Tania was dancing with Monte's dad and Monte was dancing with Tania's mom and then his mom they switched and he was dancing with Tania she got proposed to at the reception for Winter and DeMarco that is how relationship status ends and then we get into she's from the jungle books one and two which is the spinoff series from relationship status and in she's from the jungle We follow Deja who made it onto the dance team to JSU and she met her two new best friends, Ariel from New York and Britton from St. Louis. And each one of these girls has a story. We know Deja's story from relationships, that is. She actually goes into details about the day that Malik died, which is something that we did not get in relationships, that is. Ariel used to be a mule. She used to uh, take drugs across the border for this dude who she was seeing. And she wanted to get away from him because she found out that he was married with kids. In Britain, from St. Louis, she had a rough life once her brother passed. And she was basically having to fight off her dad. So the girls are going through the auditioning process. And Deja's in her head because she feels like she's not going to do good. And then she's concerned about Rylan because she left him with Tania and Monte. Everyone keeps encouraging her, telling her that she's going to do good, that she's going to make the team, and that she doesn't have anything to worry about. Deja runs into the guy who she met while they were getting wings on a college trip, and his name is Chance, and he's on a football team. Chance is best friends and teammates with Jacquees. Jacquees runs into Ariel in the calf, and Ariel 
does not like him. She thinks he's rude and arrogant. Then they meet again and she realizes that he's not going anywhere. She is basically trying to make it seem like she don't like him for real, but she does. She's highly attracted to him, but because of who he is, she tried not to play too much into it. And then Britton, she is in love with Cordell, who just so happens to be her best, her brother's best friend, which means he's off limits. The semester starts and everybody's in happy and healthy relationships until they aren't. Everybody has an issue. We all know that Deja's issue is Delia. How? I'll tell you. So Delia has the baby. She lies about what time she had the baby. Monte gets to the hospital to see said child thinking Delia is going to be there. By the time he gets there, Delia is nowhere to be found. A day or so goes by, Delia pops back up and she's out for blood. Deja's blood. So she pops up on Deja when she's supposed to be getting ready to go to dinner with Lamonte and Chan. And there's a knock on the door. She realizes it's her sister. She started all this talking because Delia just talked too much. Like, it, it was annoying. Chance and Lamonte knock on the door. Delia turns to answer said door. Deja pulls out the gun that Tania gave her with the silencer on it and she pops her sister and she falls dead on the floor. I was happy about that part. We jump over to Ariel and Jacquees and they broke up for the entire summer because Jacquees told Ariel that he slept with one of the captains from the dance team before they got together while they were still pussyfooting and not knowing what they wanted to do. Brittany and Cordell, they had been going back and forth the entire semester because she told him on one drunk night that she loved him and he got silent she thought he didn't hear her and so he never addressed it until she brought it back up and they was going back and forth the entire time trying to figure out if they wanted to be together or not so book two starts with the fall semester for a sophomore year the girls had a long and rough summer Deja had been indecisive about going back to school because of everything that happened with Delia. She was ready to drop out and figure it out. And it took everybody to encourage her and basically tell her, you're coming back. And it wasn't until Chance was on his way back to JSU that he popped up on her and was like, let's go. He didn't ask no questions. He was sick of her. And I can't be mad at that man for that. Britton didn't want to leave Cordell, but Cordell was like he had to get back to the money. So Britton had an attitude the entire time. And Ariel, she was over Jacquees. She was like, I'm not talking to him no more. I'm going to get me a new nigga. And Jacquees was just like, baby, I'm begging, I'm begging, begging, baby. Each girl auditions for the captain position because the girl who Jacquees had slept with, she wasn't at the school no more. And she didn't plan on coming back because she had a lot about a pregnancy and she lied about who her baby daddy was. This was all before she decided to get rid of said child. Jacquees spends the better part of the beginning of the semester trying to get back into Ariel's good graces, throwing shots because she had done already told him that she was dating one of his teammates, who he does not like. So every time that there's something important going on with dance, like with the tryouts or the final decisions for them to become um, captain, the boyfriend was never around. But Jacquees was there. And Jacquees always asked her, he was like, well, if that's your man, where he at? Why he not around for all the important stuff? There was a lot of back and forth between Britton and Cordell because he was her first everything, like first boyfriend, first love, first fuck, all of that. And he was a street nigga. So he had way more experience than her. And so it fed into her insecurities about her being enough for him he didn't help the situation sometimes because like he was just he was that nigga and so that bothered her a little bit but all ended well for these three couples there was a proposal but everybody got their happily ever after and it was great so the mercer sister series is about ashton jr and nigella i think that's how you say her name 
Ashton ends up falling in love with Cam, who just so happens to be the person who was locked up for her father's murder. Nigella, on the other hand, falls in love with Wilde. And Wilde had been taking care of them unknowingly. Well, Wilde knew and Miss Marilyn knew, but they didn't know that Wilde was taking care of them the entire time for the 15-year span from the time their father passed to the time we get the story. Each sister gets their own book. Some of the events are overlapping, but they're each told from the two sisters' point of view. Wilde is the reason that Cam and Ashton initially meet. Ashton owns a spa, and he sent Cam in for some services. He did not expect for them to fall in love. They have their ups and downs, Cam because he doesn't know anything about relationships, and Ashton because her ex was a douchebag. Cam begins to look into the details of his case. He discovers that the man who he was framed for killing was actually Ashton's father. That took him out of the game for a few days. He physically got sick while he was in the lawyer's office. Afterward, he had to come up with a way to break the news to Ashton, so he had his lawyer go to... Miss Marilyn's house. So when they go to Miss Marilyn's house, Nigella calls Ashton and she's wondering why her mom wouldn't call her. Ashton gets to her mom's house. She sees that Cam is there with this woman who she doesn't know. And so she's already feeling some type of way because Cam is there. They haven't spoken to each other in a few days because Cam had been processing the information he had just received. Cam breaks the news to Ashton. Ashton takes it horribly and she basically breaks up with the man. Then Cam finds out that Wilde had known about the Mercers and who they were the entire time. He was upset with Wilde for a good minute about that because he felt like with Wilde knowing who they were and with Wilde being his best friend, he should have informed him that he knew exactly who Ashton was before they got together. And it made a lot of sense. I understood both sides of it because Wilde basically told him, what would me telling you, what good would that do? Because all you would have done was avoided her and she's the love of your life. Eventually, everyone gets out of their feelings. Ashton and Cam realize that they can't live without each other and all is right with the world again. Book 2 focuses on Wild and Nigella. You get to see the softer side of Wild. You get to see a lot of the trauma that he dealt with and how he ended up being the way that he was. You get to see how in tune he is with Nigella because sis be lying and nobody knows she lying but him. They were best friends, but you could tell that there was something deeper there for them. He was definitely her go-to person when anything went wrong, basically. They taught each other how to love, and they gave each other the love that they deserved and didn't know they needed. And the one thing I loved about their relationship was that Nigella was a rider. Like, Sis was ready to fight his mama behind him. That's how much of a rider she was. It took them about a full two years to get it together, but they got there happily ever after. And finally, the Euphoria series. Now, this series i love it i can't wait to see more of these two so secrets we kept to morning is about nina aka control freak and dominique aka dominant nina is a caseworker through child protective services and dominique is a business owner the two initially meet as control freak and dominant inside club euphoria on valentine where he gives her the experience of a lifetime. After their initial meeting, they go on about their business. The case is dropped on Nina's desk and it causes her to blow Dom's phone up. He ends up getting custody of a niece that he didn't know about. They end up in a relationship where she says that they're just friends and he has to put that wham bam thank you ma'am on her and she gets some act right in her life. Right. 
it's time for some spice in your life. Let's jump into this ranch. This spice in your life read is coming from Secrets We Kept Till Morning, Euphoria Book One. This is the initial scene where Dom and Nina meet inside of Club Euphoria. That was all I needed. I grabbed the rope that sat beside us on the bed, removing my hand to bring her hands back down over her head. I used the tie to bind her at her wrists, watching as her chest rose and fell rapidly. I tied her hands to the headboard before moving down her body, removing her bra and panties, my mouth watering at the sight of her breasts falling from behind their restraints. Coupled with the sight of her shaven pussy, she just got better with time. I grabbed the flogger from the table, slowly running it down the center of her body as she moaned. I slid my tongue over her nipple before taking her breast into my mouth. I moved to the other breast, sliding the flogger down her wet nipples as I gave attention to the other one. Her moan was the perfect mixture of the angelic tone of her voice and her fighting the urge to get louder. My fingers brushed over her skin as I moved down her body, the flogger in one hand as I lifted, softly striking her breast as she pushed against the air, moaning deep in her throat. I grabbed the vibrator, pressing it against her clit as I continued to tease her nipples. She was so responsive. Every touch was awarded with acknowledgement from her. The headboard sounded as she pulled, trying to get away. I continued to travel down her body, placing a kiss on her stomach before placing one on her pussy. Her legs widened as I used my tongue to open her up. As soon as the taste of her hit me, I knew I would be dealing with the remnants of her for days to come. If you're looking for Venus, you can find me on Facebook at Venus Tegan, on IG at The Venus Tegan, and TikTok at Author Venus Tegan, and on Twitter at O Your Venus. That's V E N U S T E A G A N.